Welcome to the Dunker Punks Podcast. Have you ever walked on water? You can now. Listen to hear the news about how you can walk on water. But first, some Dunker Punks music. I don't want to be rich. Don't want to be popular. Don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat. Don't want to be ignorant. Don't want to be blindfolded. I just want to be countercultural. I don't want to be violent. Don't want to have a vendetta. Don't want to be vengeful, no. I don't want to be a soldier, don't want to be militaristic, don't want to help that cycle, I just want to be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. Wanna burn petrol, don't wanna eat perfect fruit, don't wanna feel guilty, I just wanna be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I wanna be authentic, I wanna be radical, I wanna be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I wanna be humble, I wanna be progressive, I wanna be open, I'm inspiration. I wanna be like John Wesley or Sarah Major or Anna Mao. I wanna be like Martin Luther or Martin Luther King Jr. Like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Valim or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox or Jesus Christ. But mostly, I just wanna be me. Hello again, and thank you for listening. I'm Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald, your host. Look around you at the sky or earth or trees, whatever you can find that is part of creation. How do you care for it? And how do you feel about companies and corporations who abuse the earth? This episode, Sarah Ullam Minnick is back with her insightful commentary and an interview from Ecuador where she is studying abroad. She and her colleague, Annika, have much to tell us. If you listen closely, you will learn how you can walk on water. Hey guys, Sarah Olominik here. Uh, I just finished my first semester abroad in Ecuador with an organization called BCA, which stands for Bridge Connect Act, and which was formerly known as Brethren Colleges Abroad. So this podcast is going to be about an ongoing 23-year-old struggle for the basic rights to water and a contamination-free environment in the Amazon that I came into contact with during my time in the program. It's an important story to me, and I think it should be an important story for everyone, uh, but that will come later. So let's start off with a special guest.
Okay. So we have Annika with us. Hi, Annika. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Annika is a BCA student as well who goes to Manchester University, and she has been interning with the Union de Afectados por Texaco, or the Union of People Affected by Texaco's Operations. Do you want to talk a bit about it? Yeah, um, so I work at, at this organization which is connected to the law firm um, in the case against Chevron Texaco. Um, so my main jobs are translation from Spanish to English or English to Spanish, communication um, and advocacy, oh, and event planning. So um, we try to have connections with, within Ecuador and internationally because this is an international case. Cool. Um, so for people who may not know the history of um, this case, do you want to talk a little bit about, like, um, I don't know, just kind of how it got started, um, when the first spills happened? Yeah. Kind of thing? Um, 23 years ago, Chevron Texaco dumped 60 billion gallons of toxic wastewater into streams, rivers, and lakes. Um, and then in addition, 650,000 barrels of crude oil were spilled um, in the Amazon as well. So obviously that's, that's quite, quite, quite a bit of damage, and people are still suffering the effects today. Let me throw some numbers at you. <laughs> Cancer deaths are 130% more frequent um, in this part of Ecuador where there's been t uh, contamination than in wow. other parts of Ecuador. Yeah, um, let's see. Um, Mortality risk is 260% higher than other parts of Ecuador. Um, cancer is accounts for 32% of deaths in the region. Um, and miscarriages are 150% more likely than in other areas. Oh, it also might be good to make clear that Texaco is the company that was here with the initial spills. Oh, yeah. And then Texaco point. became Chevron. Right. So Texaco yeah. is not a company right now, but we call it Chevron Texaco. Chevron Texaco or Chevron Texaco mm -hmm. because it's it, it's more clear, you know. Right, so because Chevron inherited the lawsuits or whatever against yes, Texaco when uh -huh. they bought Texaco. Mm -hmm. It's not Ecuador mm -hmm. suing Chevron Texaco, Chevron Tex Texaco. God, I always say <laughs> that in Spanish, I suck. And, but yeah, it's a class action lawsuit, but yeah, so yeah. the so lawyer... So how many, how many people are a part of it? Of oh, great action? question. Um, so 30,000 people are affected. By health impacts, right. and I would, I, but I don't know if they're all part of the union or not. Right, sure. So who who are the people that are that are making up the class action lawsuit? Um, lawyers, volunteers, communication staff, indigenous people from multiple nations, mm -hmm. and mestizos who live in the Amazon. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And when you say for multiple nations, you mean multiple like indigenous nations? Yeah, right? that's yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Uh huh. The Siona, Sequoia, Kofan, Kichwa, and Waurani. So we also like. At the beginning of our semester here with Brethren Colleges Abroad, we also went, um, we went and visited some of these contamination sites, and we didn't see all of them, I don't think. We just, like, went to a few of them. Yeah, like, we went to probably three of them, I think. Yeah. Um. And they were ridiculous. There's actually an oil pump, a Chevron Texaco, Texaco, oil pump that is still leaking today, even though they pulled out in the 80s. The, the pump is still leaking, and Chevron Texaco thinks, or considers that site to be a cleaned up site. It's not, yeah. So so they were supposed to clean it up at one point, right? Oh yeah. You tell they, that story a little bit. <laughs> they consider they consider every site that they've been that they've um, extracted from they they consider every site to be cleaned up. 
However, if you actually go to the region like Sarah and I did as, as and the rest of our BCA group, you'll see that the, the ground is literally plastic. Like you will pick up you'll pick up pieces of the ground mm -hmm. and, and it's uh, I mean it feels like silly putty. Yeah. It, and it's shiny. Some parts are actually hard, like a hard piece of plastic. Um, the water, uh, the, the plastic has grown over the water, uh, has solidified, and you can walk on water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so we, we all got ridiculous. to do that, whoever, whoever wanted to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's crazy. But, and so, but Texaco sometimes said that they, um, like, they tried to blame it on Petroecuador, right? Which is the... The mm -hmm. Ecuadorian National Oil Company, I think. Yeah, and they've also tried to blame it on um, just the people's habits in the Amazon, Amazonian mm -hmm. people's uh, sanitary habits, like mm -hmm. pooping and peeing near the water. They say, oh, that's the cause of the contamination. It's not our oil spills. Right. So, but yeah. there hasn't been any evidence of that, has there? No. I mean, if you talk to the environmental um, person, the environmental director at Chevron Texaco, that's what she'll say. But... Right. Um, if you look at all the evidence that we have at the firm, it's it's very obvious mm -hmm. that this this case is it's not pooping and peeing. <laughs> it's an oil spill. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, but this case has had quite a history, right? Like, it's been tried in like a bunch of different courts. It's yeah. been this whole drama. And what's mm -hmm. what's that? Uh, there's a great documentary on it. Like at least on the beginning part of it. Crude. What's, yeah, crude. Yeah, crude is a documentary made in a, I believe 2009. Mm -hmm. It's a great documentary to check out. I think we're coming out with a more updated documentary. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh huh. Because this one has some. You know, we've come farther in mm -hmm. in the last seven years. So um, I when that comes out, I'll let you know. <laughs> but for now, yeah, crude is a great one. It has English subtitles, so if you don't speak Spanish. No problem. I mean, it's a great documentary because it has details and the numbers you need and the history of the case, but it's not a good documentary because Don Zinger's still in it. So that's why you have to go in with a disclaimer, like, Don Zinger's no longer with us, like, ignore him. But it's hard, he's hard to ignore the documentary. So Don Zinger, for people who haven't heard of him, is an American lawyer who started out working on the case, but he ended up costing the case its chance in the U.S., because of... It was embezzling? No, it was pro it was racketeering. Yes, racketeering. I don't even know what that means. I just know that's what it was. What does that mean? Is that I, when you I think it was the judge or something? No, I, I'm pretty sure it was having the case going for profit. Like, he was accused... That, mm. that, was, that was the main storyline of Chevron, right? That the whole right. case was just to make money for the lawyers. Yeah. Like the lawyers were exploiting the people mm -hmm. by saying that there was evidence that mm -hmm. Chevron caused this one. Really, there wasn't. Right. But that they were making, somehow, a ton of money mm -hmm. off of the case. Yeah. Um, and that's what Don Zinger was accused of, and I'm pretty sure that had something to do with the reason that the case eventually lost. Yes. In the, in the States, mm -hmm. anyway. But he's no longer with us, so going in good directions. So let's do a quick rundown of the timeline, then. So obviously first there were the effects, and when did it first, like, when did they first start trying to litigate against Chevron Texaco? Do you know roughly? I would say 23 years ago. Um, oh, wow. Because, yeah. The legal processes ha processes have been going on for the last twenty three years. Well, wow. so that's 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 older than me. <laughs> and it's been it's been tried in both Ecuador and the U S. Right? Yes, and in Canada. <sighs> like Chevron was found guilty in Ecuador. Like they're supposed to yeah. pay some. What's the sum of money? That oh my god, to pay? it's so much money. Hold on, let me look. It's it's like the largest class action lawsuit, so it's quite a bit of money. Okay, here it is. So it was like uh, nine point six billion dollars that they were. Uh, mandated to pay by the Ecuadorian government to help clean up the, the huge mess that they left.
Chevron was supposed to pay when they were in Ecuador. Um, yes. And they, mm-hmm. Chevron actually fought really hard to have the case tried in Ecuador, right? They didn't want to try it in the States. They did. Yeah, they lost the case in Ecuador. Yeah, they pulled out all their assets, so there's no, there's no legal way to enforce the ruling. So that's why they're trying to get the Canadian courts to consider it, because Chevron still has assets in Canada, so if the courts there upheld the Ecuadorian ruling, they could actually enforce it. So where does that stand now? We're still waiting on the results for Canada. Um, they either have just come out and I haven't seen them yet, or they're, we're still waiting on them, so uh-huh. still in limbo right now. Sounds but good. I know in um, right now in Canada, the issue is Chevron Canada, that mm-hmm. company, is saying they are not affiliated with Chevron International. Mm. Which, to me, that's idiotic. I mean, like, how can you claim you're not... Oh, the Canadian company said Yes, they're company. saying uh, that they are not affiliated with Chevron. They're, they're <laughs> Chevron Canada. They're not Chevron. So, right. that so you is, can't sue them. Right. And Chevron, quote-unquote, Chevron. You can't see right now, but I'm doing air quotes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Chevron itself isn't in Canada, according to them. According to them. And that's right. their argument on why they should not be sued. Got you. So, I, yeah. And so if, if the Canada thing doesn't work out, what's the next step? Is there another country that they're looking to pursue the lawsuit in? Or? There are other countries that Chevron has affected, I know. So I'm guessing we would go to one of those countries. Mm-hmm. But at this time, we're not sure yet. Um, Canada was pretty recent in September, and we still don't have the, the, the answer. So right. I'll, but I'll get back to you on that <laughs> once I find out. But hopefully we won't have to. Hopefully all will come through in Canada. Do you want to talk a bit about Pablo Fajardo? Now, we were really hoping that Pablo Fajardo was going to be able to be here as part of this episode, uh, but definitely stay tuned for what will hopefully be a follow-up or a part two to this, um, in which we will hopefully have a, um, a bilingual conversation um, and get Pablo's more of Pablo's story and just his view, his take on the case, and his thoughts on what it means for the people who have been affected by this disaster and what it means on a larger scale as well. Yeah, yeah, he's part-time in Lago Agrio, which is in the Amazon, uh, a city in the Amazon, and then he works part-time in the office in Quito, so he is very much more directly affected um, by this by this case. Um, yeah. yeah, so he's been working on this case this whole time, um, it's kind of become his life, and what else do you want to know about Pablo? Yeah. I mean, he, which community, I forget which community he grew up in, was it the Cofan community? Or oh, I don't remember. Or what was closest to... What was, like, Lago Agrio? Or was well, that we were there, we were visiting the Kofan or the IE communities. Yeah. So maybe that was it. Mm-hmm. From that area. Yeah. And yeah. then he went to law school. Yeah, I know he went to law school in Loja. Yeah, and now he's working on this case. I think he sometimes does some other type of work in Lago Agrio as well, but this is his primary case that he's been working on. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he, he goes to conferences all over the world. Um, to promote this case, uh, we even we promoted this case here in Quito at the Habitat Trace, Habitat Three conference. <laughs> so, yeah, it's we're trying to get as much international advocacy as possible. Mm-hmm. He was just in Geneva, so that was oh. the last trip. Mm-hmm. And you guys also sent some people up to Standing Rock, right? We did. Yeah, we sent two people affected, um, Umberto and Carmen, mm-hmm. um, who live in the region. Um, they, they went to Standing Rock, New York, and San Francisco to do conferences. Uh, so in Standing Rock, they showed their solidarity and, um, made connections there. Mm -hmm. Uh, in New York and San Francisco met with press, met with press and environmental organizations to get more awareness and allies. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. So there's definitely a, uh, 
strong connection there, it seems like, between, like, the similar stuff, because the same, like, with the polluted water. Right. And all So of that. similar. Such parallel cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. But there was huge success with the Standing Rock case. Yeah. Right, just recently. Uh-huh. So that yeah. gives me hope that this case will have success as well. Yeah. So, uh-huh. um, do you want to talk just a little bit about how, like, working with this case, um, over this semester has, uh, been personally impactful for you? Sure. I've noticed how international corporations really affect, uh, affect the global south, uh, specifically the Amazon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you hear about that, uh, saying like, oh, you know, these, these huge organizations are, are really hurting people in certain areas and, like... But, but this actually allows me to see it close up and work sure. within it, which has been really eye-opening. Um, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Um, it's also helped me see more connections between different types of issues, uh, lands rights issues and indigenous rights issues. Mm-hmm. So especially Standing Rock, like you mentioned earlier, um, I feel like I have, well, my Spanish has improved because I'm doing all kinds sure. of translating, um, which is challenging because, like, translating documents with lots of, um, with lots of legal, legal words. You don't learn legal words in, in, like, high school Spanish class, so that's been new. I've really appreciated that. Uh, maybe I'll go into some type of environmental law. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know if I want to be a lawyer, but I'm interested in doing advocacy for cases or something like that, so that's, that's been good to kind of see I'm doing this job and I know I like it, so, because mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I don't really know what I want to do when I grow up, so, yeah. I mean, I kind of think. Yeah, so, this has been helpful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, suggestions? I think most of the people listening are probably in the States, mm-hmm. um, but we may have people from other places as well. Is there things that they can do from home, or that can somehow support the case if they're interested in being involved somehow? Oh, yeah, that would be great. We are really looking for allies in the States, so anything you can do if you have any interest, contact me. Um, so, yeah, we, we, some things like boycotting Chevron products, um, so I would just, you do a Google search, contact me if you need some help with that, um, I would really recommend boycotting Chevron products, um, as well as, like, hosting events, uh, maybe your church can host an event, your school, your university, Mm -hmm. something like that, I have uh, a PDF file of event ideas and, whatnot that I can send you. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, so anything And from, are these, like, fundraising events or, like, awareness-raising events or...? They could be both. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, things such as gallery openings. We would send you files of uh, pictures and statements people have made. You could mm-hmm. do a gallery. Uh, we can also use movie, movie, movie viewings, such as Crude. But there's more than that. Those are just the two I can think of right now. Sure. It's a whole file, so... Yeah, awesome. Uh, Mm-hmm. And are there, like, for people wanting to be involved more long-term, are there things that you guys are looking for? Or is it more, like, kind of hosting events, that kind of thing? Oh, I mean, we would always love long, long-term long partnerships. Yeah. Like, we, we are striving for those with environmental organizations, Amazon Watch, you know, things like that. But um, long-term partnerships, we're, we would love those, and we're open to those as well. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Really, the more help, the merrier, the better. And the in, in the U.S., the case has a bad name. Uh, especially because of Donzinger, so... Who's Donzinger? He's a lawyer that did work with the case, who was... How do we say this? Arguable? And so... Controversial, kind of? Controversial. (laughs) So he is no longer working with the case, so... But 
Uh, yeah, in the U.S., it's it's a it's controversial, Got it. mostly because of Don Singer. So we're trying to give the case a better name because, especially Don Singer is not working with us anymore. So right. we we need a better and better name in the states. Sure. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Are there any other closing comments you want to add or throw in? Contact me. Become an ally. Oh, yeah. How should we contact you? Oh, um, my email address, I guess. A-N-N-I-K-A-224 at gmail.com. Perfect. I want to thank Annika for taking the time to do this and sharing the insights she's gotten after a semester of working directly with the case. My interaction with it has been more limited, but the tour that we took of the contaminated areas is an incredibly vivid memory for me, and possibly one of the most important experiences that I had during my time here. I think that being there and seeing the cover-ups up close and seeing the petroleum that sticks to the glove when you touch the contaminated soil, and uh, in one place in particular, watching the oil just seep into the water, it really hit home for me how ridiculous this entire thing is. What does it mean for us to be stewards in a world where the mechanisms that support a way of life, one that many of us in the States are very comfortable with, when those mechanisms are destroying crucial, biologically, incredibly diverse places and leaving the people who live there to deal with the medical and ecological problems that they leave behind? I think it's easy to be paralyzed when you're confronted by something that huge. But meeting the people who have had this mess dropped into their lives and who have kept up the struggle during an often thankless 23-year-long legal battle, or even seeing the events that unfolded as all of the incredibly brave souls at Standing Rock refused to back down in their struggle for rights to water and land, I think it's clear that there's always something. There's always something that you can do. I mentioned at the beginning that I think this story is important. For me, it's important because it reminds me, on a personal level, that inaction in the face of injustice is just as wrong as active participation. I'm complicit just because I benefit from the things that big oil has to offer. And at some level, I think that's an idea at the center of what it means to be a dunker punk. So, fellow dunker punks, I hope this story means something to you too. Once again, I'm Sarah Olaminick, and I hope you'll feel free to contact both Annika and myself if you have any questions about UDAP or how you can be involved. My email is Sarah with an H, U L L M I N at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and all who dwell therein. For it is God who founded it upon the seas and made it firm upon the rivers of the deep. Do those verses sound familiar to you? They come from a psalm. 24. And I don't think making the earth firm upon the rivers of the deep meant plastic water. I once had to memorize that psalm, and though I've forgotten a lot of it, those words often come to me when I take a moment to look around at creation, as I asked you to do earlier. I find the damage that the oil company Chevron Texaco did in Ecuador to be overwhelming. 23 years, and the people of Ecuador are still seeking justice. Yet, when I get to feeling overwhelmed and small, I think of the words of that psalm. Since God founded the earth and all that is in it, God will establish justice too. But is there something I can do in the meantime? 
We can't just ignore damage so bad that the earth becomes plastic and we can walk on water in places that the oil spill and waste has grown over the water. Annika is working diligently with others who have been working for justice, for the earth and for the people of Ecuador for 23 years. It's a long time in our lifetimes, but perhaps a short period for God. And Sarah reminds us that everyone can do something. So, Dunker Punks, I won't tell you what that something is for you. But here are some ideas. We are posting Annika's list of events and actions that we can do to directly help those working for justice in Ecuador. You can find them on the podcast website at arlingtoncob.org dpp. Read about the latest environmental status. There's good news and bad news. Carbon emissions are flat for the third straight year. The U.S. and China are the biggest contributors to carbon emissions, and India is not far behind. We need to keep pressure on U.S. corporations to stay with President Obama's clean air regulations, even if the new administration makes changes to those laws. The warming earth seems to be contributing to the loss of ice pack at the poles. Read about what is happening on the Ross Ice Shelf in Antarctica. New and growing threats to many species are often a news topic. Read and learn what you can do, from lobbying your neighbors not to use pesticides to working with local government on mandates about pesticide use, or plant a butterfly bush. There is always something you can do. First of all, be convinced that you can make a difference. Second, know that God is with us, Dunker Punks, in helping each action we take and that God will seek justice for God's earth. Don't be discouraged by bad news. Instead, be the good news for the earth. The earth is the Lord's, and you are too, Dunker Punks. Go in peace and work for justice. The Dunker Punk Podcast is a collaboration of about a dozen young adults who... I think it's clear that there's always something. There's always something that you can do. I'm Nancy Fitzgerald, pastor of the hosting congregation, Arlington Church of the Brethren. Suzanne Lay is our producer and edited the audio this week. Jacob Krauss wrote and performs our original music. We seek to offer you listeners inspiration for the journey of following Jesus. You can follow us on social media at Dunker Punks Pod. Next episode, Dana Casal is back with an interview with Brethren theologian Lurie Hirschmeyer and some scriptural ties to the resistance of empire. Until then. <laughs>